0: Lynn Hiles Ministries presents, Dr. Lynn Hiles, That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. And welcome today to uh, the teaching that we have been sharing on the Book of Romans. We welcome you back uh, to the program and to the teaching. And uh, we just want to say we trust that you have been uh, tuning in and have listened to the series prior to this. We are teaching a series on the book of Romans, and today we will begin probably for the next couple of weeks talking about the fifth chapter of the book of Romans. Let me reiterate once again that the book of Romans was a letter written to the Romans. It is meant to be read in one setting. Of course, you know with a 30-minute TV broadcast that you cannot read this in one setting. So, but it is a message that you should read as you are studying this book. You should read it in, in its entirety because he, if you take part of it out of context, that's where most of our, uh, I think, bad theology comes from, is when we take a text out of context and we take it away from the audience that it was written to. And so, uh, you know, we have come through, uh, first of all, the diagnosis section of the uh, book of Romans 1, chapters 1, 2, and 3, where what he does in that is conclude that all were under sin so that he could have mercy on all. And that this incredible recovery program that he calls righteousness and setting things right was primarily the work of, of the Holy Spirit. It is a God project and not a man project. What happens is we enter into what God has already done for us. We talked about last week especially, we were talking over the last four weeks, how Abraham by faith was declared to be righteous even before he was circumcised, simply because he believed God. Now let me tell you that what faith is, is not, you know, wh- what we do is we we put uh, an emphasis on either grace or faith, and once again I want to just take a moment and And kind of just review, because I think this is so vitally important that the gospel is both objective and it is subjective. It is the way of grace and the walk of faith. It is the way of grace first, because grace is what God did in Christ in the redemptive work without any human help from us. We enter into what God has done and into union with Him realizing the separation has been, the, go- the great gulf has been bridged through the person and work of Jesus Christ, and we access this grace by faith. But we are not believing so we can make it so. We are believing because it's already so. That's a vital, vital truth that we must grasp is that God has done everything He's going to do in His redemptive work, in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Us accessing that comes from us hearing the word of the gospel, and faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, so that we can not achieve, but receive by faith what is already ours by inheritance because of the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so faith is the, uh, it is the subjective side of the gospel. It is our response to what God has done. In other words, even our healing and our provision. Uh, the Scripture declares to us that God has given to us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. What we've done over the years is we've preached faith in faith, and we have made it faith like, okay, if you just believe harder, get more of it, and on and on it goes until it becomes a work of the flesh, rather than a response of believing because we heard a word that flowed from Christ. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, Romans the 10th chapter says. But it's interesting there, that if you put that in your inner linear Bible, it will tell you that the word God there is Christos or Christ. So faith comes by hearing, and it comes by hearing the word about Christ. And the gospel really is good news. Somebody said, well, you guys are just feel-good preachers. I said, that's why it's called the good news. It is the good news, and there's no bad news to it. The truth of it is, is that God has given us this incredible inheritance. And as we are discovering what is ours by inheritance, then our faith begins to come alive. To be perfectly honest with you, my faith is stronger today than it's ever been. Because when I sat under legalism and what I call Old Covenant preaching, the Scripture tells us in Galatians 3 that the law shuts up faith, for the law is not of faith. And so I, I've shared this in prior programs, but when people would say, well, what do you all believe at that church? I would start down a list of things we don't believe in. Well, we don't believe you should do this. We don't believe you ought to, we, we were more famous for what we were against than what we were for. I wonder even why uh, the world deems us as non-essential, because they see us more as a protester or thorn in the flesh than someone who is coming to change literally the culture. And over the next couple of weeks we're going to talk about this moving into this fifth chapter is talking about learning how to reign in life. It's a kingdom concept. And, uh, you know, once again I think that much of the gospel that has been Declared over pulpits is a uh, a ticket to heaven gospel or a get out of hell free card. And while I do believe that there is that uh, uh, you know uh, the the eternal aspects of this abundant life, the gospel is not just about later on when you die and go to heaven. It's about how to get what's happening in heaven to operate in the earth. His kingdom come, his will being done and the earth and us, his sons and daughters of God, who are his vice regents in the earth as sons and daughters, the wineskin has changed. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1 said God uh, spoke in through by the prophets in the, uh, but has in these last days spoken to us in the Son. So the model now is sonship. And then the next chapter, or no, I'm sorry, it's the same chapter, said that God did not put the world to come in subjection to angels, but he put it in subjection to a son, and he goes on down through that in uh, that chapter and talks about our inclusion in that sonship and being heirs together with him of the grace of life, that as sons and daughters of God, the stewardship of the planet and the stewardship of the grace. I was thinking even this morning, as I was meditating in my uh, prayer time studying, and getting ready to come over here that you know uh, that this 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 uh, grace to reign is a powerful, powerful concept because the gospel again is not just about how we get what's happening there, uh, or not how to get from here to there, but how to get what's happening there to operate here. And once you start to embrace that and realize that the world to come again is not put in subjection to Uh, angels, but to sons and daughters of God, that there are stewards of the grace of God. And this is what I was thinking a minute ago, and in my meditation where Paul, a long time ago, I was uh, several years back in New Jersey in a meeting, and the Lord said to me, you cannot, absolutely cannot, under any circumstance, earn grace. It is absolutely the free gift of God. It is the unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor of God. That, that favor is on every person. But the Lord said to me, you cannot earn favor, but you can steward grace. And uh, I I said, Lord, is there even a scripture for that? And then the Lord, uh, you know, I went up to my room and put it in my computer, and sure enough, He was talking about stewards being stewards of the manifold grace of God. So we can steward our health. We can steward our marriages. We can steward our ministries. We can steward our finances. We can steward our, our gifts, our talents, our time, our talent and our treasure. That's stewardship of the grace because every one of us has been given the grace of God, uh, the favor of God because of what Jesus did. We are in his favor. And so, but we, you know, I'd say, well, you know, uh, you know, if automatically Uh, You know, everybody is just blessed, highly favored, which they absolutely are. And then you just sit back and become a spiritual couch potato. I thought, well, why does it seem like others are blessed more so even in uh, things that you can see manifested in their lives than others? Now, once again, I don't think we can measure uh, necessarily favor by what you see uh, as far as material things. But nevertheless, even in those dimensions, you can see that there are people who have had the same amounts of income that others have had, and they stewarded it better. Uh, And they, they, they became far more enriched or blessed or whatever. Or you can see people who had, born with the same genetic background that you were, and they stewarded their health better, or they stewarded it. And I think some of that is learning how to reign in life. And so this whole Uh, chapter is not talking simply about being, uh, you know, saved so that you can get to go to heaven. It's talking about being reconciled to God so that you can move out of a servant mentality into being a son and with royal blood pumping through your veins as a king and a priest in the earth to reign and literally to affect a whole lot of stuff. So we're going to start here in Romans 5, and again, I'm going to be reading from the uh, message translation, and then we will probably share some from uh, the New King James Version. But chapter 5, again, begins to reiterate by, uh, see, uh, uh, it begins to reiterate this, uh, the, the subjective side of the gospel. And remember, now see, the objective side is what God did in Christ without any help with us. That was the grand setting everything right, making us righteous, making us in right relationship with God. Again, sometimes I think we think about the word uh, righteous as being uh, glow in the dark, or I don't have any flaws left. Uh, But it really does not mean that you don't have any flaws. What it simply means is that you've been set in right relationship with God. When I was in uh, Brazil, I, I think they translate the word righteousness uh, in in their language as justice or justified. So what he's saying is we've been justified, and uh, the justice of God uh, was completely satisfied that all of your sins were paid for in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And that puts us all. That's not something he's going to do. That's something he's already done for every man. My access to that is by faith. And when Abraham believed God, God accounted it, put it on his account, and imputed righteousness to him, right standing before he ever brought forth Isaac, before there was ever any fruit in his life, before he was ever circumcised, before there was any manifestation, it was a done deal. And Abraham simply entered into what God was doing for him, instead of what he was doing for God. And if you remember the verbiage of it last week, it, he, he said this was not an Abraham story, this is a God story. So we continue that theme as we open chapter 5, and it says in verse 1, by entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us, that is to set us right with Him and make us fit for Him, we have it all together with God because of our Master Jesus. That's a powerful, powerful statement. By entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us, that is, to set us right with Him, make us fit for Him. He did that. We have it all together with God because of our Master Jesus. And that's not all, he goes on to say. We throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment that He has already thrown open His door to us. We find ourselves standing where we always hoped we would stand, out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting praise. Now that will make you shout. This is a powerful, I'm going to take my time through this chapter because it's a powerful, powerful chapter here. We, uh, we, we simply uh, enter into what God has done for us by faith. Uh, uh, We throw open the doors to God and discover at the same moment that He's already thrown open the door to us. So what has happened is, in Him reconciling Uh, us to Himself. God has already been reconciled to us, but we need to be reconciled to Him. In other words, uh, we need to open the, He opened the door to us. we, we, We throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment that He has already thrown open the door to us. Here I think is one of the major problems that we have, I think, in people coming to God. I think people have been pushed away so long by a message that declares, well, you've got to be this holy or get your act together or, you know, walk the straight and narrow in order to have access to God, when what he's saying is the door is wide open. You come to Him just like you are. He's the one that does the changing, and the Spirit of God working in you is the one who does the work in us. But what we don't realize is, the door is open. And as you have seen, as we have taught this book of Romans, it was not only being thrown open to Jews, but to Gentiles. See, the context here is the inclusion of how big this gospel was, that this mystery that God uh, had been hid from ages, was that Christ was in, and among all of you, the hope of glory. And so what we see is that uh, it was God throwing open the door to show you that His sacred secret through the ages was that He would ultimately include all of humanity in this grand new creation program that He's doing, this, this grand making everything right. Behold, I make all things new. And we enter into that by faith. What happens is we realize, wait a minute, the door is open. You know, I got to tell you, the more I have felt welcome in the presence of God, I think it's it. it, You know, uh, uh, I think that we have made people feel like they've got to be the elite. Once again, I have had so many people come to me in life, and they say to me, "Well, brother, brother Lynn, I'm gonna I'm gonna come to your church when I get my act together." To which I reply, "If you get your act together, it's just an act. God is not interested in actors." Is interested in authentic hearts. Or I just need to get back on the straight and narrow. And we think that means performance-based Christianity that makes us acceptable and presentable as it relates to God. And what we need to discover is God has thrown the door open to you, wide open to you, because of the work of Jesus Christ and says, you're welcome to come into my house. And I think that the resistance is almost like that, that you see in the attitude of the prodigal son. Because when he comes back from the, uh, you know, from the hog pen, so to speak, he's still got hog slop on him, still got mud on him. And he comes back thinking that, I'm going to go back groveling to my father, because even the servants in my father's house have it better than these people. But when He comes back, the Father doesn't wait till He gets a shower. The Father doesn't tell Him, listen, you go get yourself a bath, and then I'm going to hug you. Then I'm going to kiss you. Then I'm going to put the shoes on your feet. Then I'm going to put a a ring on your finger. Or I told you so. He didn't have none of that attitude. Or you little uh, no good for nothing, you know, you have squandered all of my living. No, no. The door was wide open, and the response that he got from the father was not one of being pushed away, but of one, even as this son returns, he says, I'm not fit to be called your son. Make me one of your servants. And really, see, even the father was trying to get him to lose this servant-slave mentality and realize you're a son, because the moment you realize your union Uh, with Him through the work of Jesus. And the more you realize that you've got His blood, and that you are a son, you're going to drop the servant mentality. And the reality of it is, if you would really truly have realized that, you'd have never gone to the hog pit. Because it's the recognition of who you truly are, and your identity in Him. See, when that prodigal son came to himself and remembered his father's house, he had to come to himself, I would look at this camera today and say to someone out there struggling who's been alienated from the life of God, who's your daddy? Who is your Abba? Who is Father God? To you? He's your Abba. He, you were born for something greater. I feel like I'm specifically talking to somebody today who's blown it big time. And you may have just flipped on this television set, sitting on your couch uh, in a smoke filled room and you just, had a, 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 a real party night, and man, you are feeling unloved, unwelcomed, uh, re- you've run from God for years, there's a call of God on your life. I, I, I want you to know something. The door's wide open. And the moment you realize you were born for something greater than this, you'll get up and go take a shower and get ready not because it makes you more fitting, but because you've already been welcome. See, the, the change comes not before you get to the Father. The change comes when you see the Father's heart towards you. And see, one of the things that I think is happening in this whole new covenant is we are starting to realize that the image that we had of God through an old covenant lens was a glass darkly and He did not seem like a good, good Father. He seemed like a evil tyrant who couldn't wait for me to foul up so He could stone me or thrust me through with the dark. When in reality Jesus came to represent and show us the Father, and that, that, in, that, that that's a powerful concept, not just to show us God, but to show Him as a Father. And as a Father, and you know, you, there are a lot of people that cannot maybe identify with this because they didn't have a good Father. But a good father, yes, he does correct you when you've done something that's wrong. But he only does that, a father that really cares, doesn't correct you for his benefit. He corrects you for your benefit. That's an expression of love that brings correction. And sometimes fathers say, okay, you know what? Uh, You know, sometimes we've had to learn stuff the hard way by going through things that we put ourselves in because we are not recognizing Who we are and what we have. I I think that the story could go on even of the son that was in the house, the son who never left home. In the story of the prodigal, he came to his father when the younger son came back and said, "What is this party? What is the sound of this celebration?" And he said, "Well, rejoice because your brother, your the son that was lost, has come home." And, and this older son looks at the father and says, Father, I have served you. See, see, he still has a servant mentality too. Both of these boys still had a servant mentality instead of a sonship mentality. Uh, the first son says, comes back, he says, Father, make me a servant because even the servants in your house have it better than, than living out there. And the son who was in the house came and said, Father, I have served you my whole life, and you never once gave me a calf that I could make merry with my friends. And the father said, son, here's the problem. All that I have was always yours. You could have asked me at any time for a calf, and I would have given you a calf, and you could have made merry with your friends at any time you wanted. I think the tragedy of the story is not the prodigal who went and got in the hog pen, but the son who stayed home who didn't realize that everything the father had belonged to him. That's what this fifth chapter of Romans is really trying to tell you, is that you need to discover by faith what you already have. He has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. You've got all of God that you're going to get in your born-again spirit. You just haven't seen maybe manifestation of all of it because you've not accessed this grace by faith, but the Scripture tells us in John 1 that of His fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. That's incredible. He tells us that in, in Christ dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and look at this, and you are complete in Him. And so, man, that's, that's, that's some powerful stuff. And I know it's hard to wrap your head around, because what happens is He, God makes declarations of what is true we believe many times the lie. Uh, you know, and, and so as we, because we believe the lie, our faith is put on the wrong thing. But when we declare the gospel of this grand making everything right, and that the door is wide open into this gracious space called grace and access to the Father, then we start to live in the Father's house, and that's where the transformation comes, is by sitting at the Father's table, hearing what the father has to say, learning his characteristics, his ways, and then representing the father as you go out to take care of the father's business, which is to restore and to throw open the door to those who have been disenfranchised or perhaps even felt like they were pushed away. I'm convinced that even in the story that I just shared with you concerning the prodigal son and the older brother, that if that older brother would have asked for a calf once in a while, and through a party, perhaps his younger brother would have never left home looking for one. Perhaps we've made religion such a service and such a slavery that we have produced a slave mentality, and we've not really produced even a sonship mentality, so that we have a bunch of people who think they're simply slaves who've never discovered that Abba is my Father. You know, I was thinking the other day, I made a post concerning uh, even father sons in the gospel. The, uh, the the scripture talks about Paul saying to uh, Timothy, "I begotten you by my gospel." He was Timothy's spiritual father. But I said there's a lot of stuff going on about spiritual fathering. But many that claim to be spiritual fathers are not spiritual fathers at all. They're they are uncles they are Labans, like Laban of old. They never intend to give you their inheritance. They just want you to work for them because they become enriched by it. But true fathers will want their sons to be blessed and greater than they were. And so, you know, to me, when you start to impart to sons, and you start to raise sons and not slaves and servants, the mind shift changes from uh, earning something to being ownership, and having some rights as sons and daughters of God. And as such, there is this incredible outflow of reigning in life by one Christ Jesus, so that we start to see the kingdom of God established as a whole company of sons in the image of their Father begin to do in the earth what God wants done in the earth, and that is to throw wide open the doors, even as I think of Revelation 21 concerning the city of God. And the city of God is not a place, it is the bride, the lamb's wife. But here's one of the key issues, her gates are never shut, day or night. The gates are always thrown open, and God is declaring, Revelation 21, go read it, It says, look, it says in, uh, it says, behold, I make all things new. And he says, write down these words, for they are true and they are faithful. God is in the process of new creation, not destroying the earth. We are in, I believe, a time of reformation. And in chapter 22, the Scripture says, and the Spirit and the Bride say, come. And so I think there is an invitation that says, come, Not that you've got to earn anything, but to receive by faith what this grace has already provided. The door is wide open. Well, we're out of time in this first segment. Uh, If you would like to sow a seed into this ministry, and we do need your help to be able to take the gospel around the world, go to my website as easiest way. There's a link right on the screen, or you can scan the code, and there's a place where you can give via credit card or debit card through our PayPal portal. Uh, you can sign up there if you want to become a monthly partner or give a one-time gift. You can send a check or money order to the address that will come up on the screen, or you can call the number that will come on the screen and someone will take your call. If you don't get an answer, leave a message and we will call you back. We have a limited staff. But please call today, do something today to help support the gospel of grace. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today.